You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Ali, why don't you come up? What a warm welcome you received. I know. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> They're going to cheer less as they hear the text I'm using today. Um, Laura knows. That's why she cheered. Um, the, uh, that conference, Alan Hood, who's coming to that conference, uh, I went to a conference where he spoke and um, maybe had one of my most powerful experiences with God and experiencing his love. And he was preaching on something I totally disagreed with the whole time. And, uh, and, and we love a lot of the, the same things that IHOP's Jacks loves, and that is worship, Jesus, the ministry and the power of the Spirit, and uh, some of the things that they might teach uh, on the weekend, we won't agree with, but, but there are brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm telling you, it will be a powerful, powerful weekend, and we will celebrate the things that we enjoy with them and experiences, and I would I encourage you to go. Uh, again, I'll, I'll, uh, maybe as we get closer to that conference, we'll share more about my experience whenever, um, when I was with him, but it was a uh, very, it was, it was very embarrassing moment for me, but um, very powerful and real. Um, yet last night I had the opportunity to do my first DJing gig. It's one of my skill set that I, I've been developing recently. And um, I, I'm not really a DJ. I'm just kind of de- developing in, this, in the art. And, and whenever Kevin Snow can't do it because he's had a baby recently and, and Josh was out of town doing a wedding, I'm kind of the alternate. And I borrow their things. They have all the music and songs. They tell me what to do and how to do it. And I just kind of go. I love it because I don't have to deal with anybody. I just kind of in my corner doing my thing. I get to make people happy. And, uh, but there's a, I, I'm realizing there's a lot of pressure with DJing. You know, there's, there, there's pressure to make sure people are having fun. And there's, and there's pressure to make sure that people are dancing and that you're playing music that people can dance to. And it was an 80s party. And so it's like, in the 80s, it was, it was a rough decade for dance. It just was. You know, it was a rough decade. It was just extreme, extreme rock and extreme, like, techno was coming into it. But anyway, um, and what happens, so there's this, this pressure to make people dance. And when people aren't dancing, you take it personally, like, what am I doing wrong? And, or at least I do. And, uh, and, there, and there's also this pressure to play songs that other people want you to play that just aren't good, you know? So, like, you're playing songs that are dance songs. You're trying to get people out there to dance, and they'll come up there, and they'll be like, play Madonna, you know, whatever, like a virgin. And, and you're thinking, like, I know that you probably have a memory in high school that that is driving, that is what's driving that request. You know, you and your friends out on a, you know, on a girl's night or whatever, and you're singing like a virgin, you know, you're, you know, whatever, and I, and I, you know, there's, a, there's these computer programs, and they, they allow you to cheat. There's like beats per minute, and you're playing a song at 130 beats per minute, and Like a Virgin's like four beats a minute, right? And you know if you throw Like a Virgin on there, it's just not going to fly. You know, it's just going to, it's just, everything's going to die. And so you, you, you kind of, I cave into pressure like that because I want people to like me, you know? And so, so sure enough, I did that a few times last night, and Laura runs over and says, like, change the song. I'm like, it was requested. It's like a no-win situation. Are you going to trust the DJ, the beats per minute, what I see, or are you going to trust yourself and your experience and what you think you need? Well, that's kind of the question I want to ask us tonight or this morning when it comes to Jesus and DJing. Is, do you want Jesus to be the one who determines the rhythm of your life, what you think you need, when you need it, and how you need it? Do you trust him? Are you going to trust your experiences, your desires, 
to determine what you think you need in your life. And it comes down to this question, what do you really want? Do you really want Jesus more than anything and everything? Or do you want what you want? Or is there other things that you want more than Jesus? And we might have been introduced to this topic in a very loud and boisterous way where someone might have come across and said, the answer to this question, do you want Jesus more than anything? Do you want to be Jesus' disciple more than anything? Because if you don't, well, my friend, you are going to burn in hell for eternity. And if you think you want Jesus just a little bit more than everybody else, then you better fill the offering plate with your money. Because just maybe the Lord will let you into his kingdom when the glory comes. Right? That's kind of how it's posed to us. And we're kind of driven or, you know, speakers kind of motivate us. Pastors want to motivate us with fear. With fear. You better, you better, you better love Jesus more than anything. Because if you don't, you can't be his disciple. And we kind of just, we hear that one like, I just don't believe that. That doesn't, that's not consistent with the rest of what I know about Jesus and his love, his love for me. But what if that's true? What if it's true that unless we want Jesus more than anything, unless we love Jesus more than anything, we won't be able to follow him and be his disciple? What if, what if there's some truth in there? I mean, for example, could it be true as we talk about forgiveness, we, we explore this radical idea that Christians are called to, and that is to forgive people who have hurt us, whether or not they ask for forgiveness or not, whether or not they are sorry or not. The last two weeks, we've talked about this idea of forgiving, extending grace to others who don't deserve it, people who have hurt us. What if, is it possible that our ability to forgive others is tied to how much we love Jesus? Or if we love Jesus the most. Or we want Jesus more than anything. You know, forgiveness is not of this world. And the commands of Jesus don't make sense in our economy. If you were really hurt by someone, and you have chosen to extend forgiveness to them, and you have received peace in your life, that's not of this world. People who don't know Jesus and have experienced Jesus and love Jesus, that is uncom- that, that will not happen and, and by our own ability. We will not be able to have rest and peace in our life unless it's supernatural and it's coming from Jesus. Especially if the person that you've extended forgiveness to hasn't repented or said that, they've, that they're sorry to you. Only Jesus gives that kind of peace And he only gives it to those who follow him. You know, I think Jesus wants all of us, all the time, to experience life to the full. He is, he, he, he wants us to dance to the tune, to the music that he has designed us for. He desires for us to have a lighter burden. He desires for us to have peace in all of our life, rest in all of our life. But only those I'm going to show you today. Only those who want him more than anything else, who love him more than anything else, will be able to dance to the music that he has for us. Will be able to receive the peace and the rest that he desires for us to have. Jesus says this to a crowd 
that's following him, his disciples are included in the, in the group. He says this. This is in Luke 14, 25 to 34. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Oh, I told you. That's tough. Laura, I was driving home telling her the scripture. She's like, why are you picking such controversial scripture to use? I'm like, I'm not picking it. I didn't pick this. I would avoid this one. I don't like, you think this is easy for me? I choose the path of least resistance at every opportunity. <laughs> but, we, but what in the crud did Jesus mean when he said that? He, I mean, we're giving ammunition to everyone who wants to crush us as Christians. Didn't Jesus say to love your enemies? Now he's telling you to hate your mom? Is there anything more contradictory? <laughs> For the love of all that is holy. Thank you, Jesus. You know, but we hear things like this. We hear things like this, and we're like, it's just so mind-blowing. It's so like, oh, I, I'm never going to know what that means. So we just kind of ignore this section of Scripture. We just kind of blow it off. But this, this is an easy one, guys. This is an easy one. This is what he says. Hate, when he's talking about hate here, the way Jesus is using it means to love less than. So Jesus is saying in this text to the crowd, you cannot, be, you cannot be my disciple unless you love or want me more than anything else in the world. You need to love your parents, your children, your sister, your father, your husband less than you love me. Is what that text means. Jesus is not saying that you have to sell everything to be his disciple. Jesus is saying that you have to love me more than everything else you have to be my disciple. Jesus is not saying, I'm not going to let you be my disciple if you love anything else other than me. Jesus is not saying, you cannot follow me. You cannot follow me if you don't love me the most. That's not what he's saying. But that's how it's taught often. What Jesus is saying is this. Being my disciple, being a disciple of mine is so difficult. And what I'm going to require of you is so difficult that I want you to count the cost. And you need to know this. If you love anything else more than you love me, then, then you're not going to be able to do it. As hard as you might try. If you love anything else in the world, anybody else in the world, have any other desires greater than me, as hard as you may try, 
You won't be able to follow me. You won't be able to be my disciple. And today, the question I think that Jesus is asking us is, is what do you love? What do you really love the most? What do you really want the most? Jesus is saying today, I want you to forgive because I want you to have rest. I want you to have peace in your life. But you won't be able to forgive like I require of my disciples if you do not love me more than anything else. You see, for a lot of us, the problem is not that we don't desire to forgive or that we don't want peace and rest in our life. We want those things. We don't like, it doesn't feel good to be at odds with someone. It doesn't feel good to have unrest, chaos, pain in our life. But our problem is that because we don't love Jesus more than we love ourselves, we don't want what Jesus, we don't trust Jesus more than we trust ourselves. We don't love Jesus more than we love other people or more than we love other things in the world. We will not be able to forgive others like we're commanded to. And this is not only true of forgiveness. It's true of every other area of obedience that God is calling us to, that Jesus is designed for us to have. Every area. As Jesus spins our life into opportunity to dance with him, for him. What this passage is saying is that you won't be able to get into that rhythm. You will not be able to find the right steps, to do the right things at the right times if you don't love me the most. Other things will get in the way. Let's take love, for example. This is a, pa- a famous passage in Corinthians. It's a lot of weddings. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not urgent or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And with good intentions, how many times have we heard or you've heard taught, just plug your name in there and see how you're doing as a Christian. Antley is patient. Antley is kind. As far as you know, because I can fake it. And that's on a good day. Antley does not envy until someone builds a big church building. Antley does not boast until he gets a big church building. As far as most, I'm doing okay. So far, maybe, okay? And then comes the next round. Antley is not arrogant. Antley is not rude. Let's just stop there, okay? Let's just stop there. Uh, You know, but let's say you get through those, and you just kind of maybe rip that section out of your Bible. And... Antley does not insist on his own way. Antley is not irritable. Antley is not resentful. I'm, I mean, come on. You put your name in there and you realize right away, I can't do this. I, there's no way I can do this on my own. There's no way left into my own ability, my own desires, my own strength, my own willpower that I can love. I can love people the way that I'm commanded to love people that Paul's, talk, Paul's talking to the church here. It's impossible. It's never meant to be something that we strive for. It's meant to be a reminder of Christ's love, of what we can do when we are in love with him and love him more than anyone or anything else. That is what is possible. We are able to love that way when we love Jesus. And if we substitute Jesus for love in this this passage, we're reminded of what he has done, that he is 
and will always be all of these things for us, giving us a good reason to trust him, to lead us in life, to trust him, and to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus did not insist on his own way. He only did the will of his Father. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things for us. Jesus has endured all things, even to the point of death, on a cross, so that we will love him, so that we will trust him the most. The lie that we believe, though, is that I can love Jesus just like I kind of love everything else in my life. He's just another part of our life, along with all the other good things that we compartmentalize. So when he asks me to do something that's hard or difficult or painful, like forgiving someone who has hurt me, who hasn't asked for forgiveness, someone who has wronged me, someone who's spoken badly about me or betrayed me, when he says something like that, that's the tune that he spins up and he asks us to go dance to obey him. What do we do? Well, we have all these other things that we love. We have other friends that we can go love. We have other people we can go to. We're happily married. Why do I need to deal with that? And we find comfort. We go worship these other idols in our life at the expense of worshiping and trusting Jesus. We end up trusting what we think is best for us instead of what Jesus knows is best for us. It's why he tells us, I'm going to explain this picture, this piece of the the, the scripture in a minute. It's why he tells us that every day you have to pick up your cross. Every day you have to pick up your cross if you're going to dance to the tune that he asks us, especially when it's difficult. So because Jesus loves us and wants us to experience the best life possible, he allows us to be put in situations, hard situations, painful situations, that we are forced to trust him. He calls us to love people that no one else loves. He calls us to love people, to forgive people that have hurt us. Why? Because he wants us to come to him. He wants us to love him and trust him in all the areas of our life, not just when it's easy. This is how we grow as disciples. This is how we mature as Christians. That's why he tells us every day, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Meaning this, a disciple of mine must deny himself, die to self-will. That's what that means there. You have to die to your will, take up his cross, embrace my father's will, my will, no matter what the cost, and come and follow me. And that didn't sound, I mean, I read that. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. No. I kind of like both and, not either or. But it's an either or, folks. It's, it, it's Jesus saying, this is the way that it works with me. In order to follow me, it's every day choosing to obey my Father's will, even if it's painful and difficult, even if you don't understand. But this is really what Jesus is saying. He's saying this. I want you to have freedom in your life from anything that will oppress you, hurt you, or cause you to experience less than what I've died to give you. I want you to have rest and peace and life to the full. I want you to be filled with hope and joy and free from anything that would rob you of the life that I have died to give you. Would you come? Would you follow me? Would you trust me? 
You trust that I know what you need to experience that? We hear that and we're like, man, I want that. I want all of those things. But then he says, in order to receive those things, to have those blessings, you'll have to trust me. And you'll have to love me more than anything else. Anything else, even yourself. And that's where we started. That's where the rubber meets the road, you know. Do we love Jesus? Do we want Jesus? Do we want what Jesus wants for us more than what we think we want for ourselves? Do we trust Jesus more than we trust ourselves? Do we love Jesus and what he wants for us more than we love what we want for ourselves? Jesus says, the way that you get all that I offer you is by seeking me first, loving me the most, and wanting me more than anything. That's what he's saying in that passage. He wants us to consider the cost. But I think more than that, he wants us to consider him. He wants us to, to consider all the things that we're giving up. But he, but, but he more than that wants us to look and to seek him, to trust him and to love him. And when we do what Jesus is saying, that we will be able to love people and forgive people in a way that he commands us. So what does it look like? What does this look like practically played out in life? Matthew 11, Jesus says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle, I'm lowly in heart. Remember last week, we, I did that illustration where I had someone standing there, and Jesus kind of came in between them, and, Jesus, and, uh, and I said, and you were right there, and the person who was hurting you, Jesus was in front of you now, and you had to deal with him. And then I said, if, if you're in a painful situation in your life, you find yourself in a place that you can't forgive that person. There's been too much, too much pain or you're just physically or incapable of doing it emotionally. That Jesus will lead us away from that relationship and he'll take us to a place where he can heal us and work on our hearts. But if we stay over there, if we don't follow him, we don't get the rest, we don't get the peace, we don't get the light burden. We're left with a yoke. We're left with our yoke. We're left with the decision. You see, at the beginning of this passage in Matthew, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And if Antley's sitting over there, frustrated, angry, and unwilling to obey, and I don't turn to Jesus, it's not because Jesus hasn't extended me grace and forgiveness and opportunity. It's that I have to engage and make an effort. I have to choose to follow Jesus. Jesus says, come to me. He's already come to us. He's already done everything that's necessary. But he says, come to me. Seek me first. Seek my kingdom first. Seek my Father's will more than anything else. And everything else will be added unto it. Everything else will be given to you. But come to me. Hey, Antley. I almost said a bad word. Dummy. Yo, yo, yo. Come to me. Come over here. I've done everything necessary for you to have rest and peace. Just turn away from the things that you love more than me and just come to me. Just come be with me. Come experience my love. 
But for many of us, we just sit over there, consumed in our pity party, consumed in our brokenness, consumed in our injuries and our wounds and our anger or whatever it is, and we never come. And so Jesus says, if you never come, you can't be my disciple, not because I don't want you to, but you can't get what I got if you're not with me. And so how do we come to him? We come to him individually. We come to him in quiet spaces in our life. We make space for Jesus individually. We worship him individually. We seek him individually through soaking, prayer, intimacy with him, reading the word individually by ourselves in space, creating space in our life saying, Jesus, this is where life, you are the bread of life. I'm in it to win it with you. Individually, we find him, we seek him, we pursue him. Jesus says, the promise of scripture is that if you seek me, you will find me. Yet many of us, we're like, I don't know why I have the blessings in my life. I don't know why I don't have the rest and the peace. I can't find Jesus. He never speaks to me. And we're consumed over in our own little world. Well, why do I have to make an effort? That's works. That's works. The opposite of grace is not effort. Jesus says, come. We have to choose to come to him every day if we want to experience the things that he has for us every day. We also have to learn to come to him intentionally with other peoples in small groups in our life, with people we trust that are gonna challenge us, people that love us and care for us. You know, that's what the city groups are about. That's what our discipleship ministry is about. All the things, all the opportunities we're trying to create as a church so that you'll have people in your life who see parts of your life that you don't see who are going to be honest with you and love you and walk with you. And when you're going to tell them, I can't forgive Hanley, that son of a, he said that up front and it just was wrong. I can't forgive him. And your friends who love you are going to say, too bad. You have to forgive him because this will destroy your life. Let's love you through this. Let's pray with you. We'll walk with you through this. And that's how we come to Jesus, is people help us, like the person they lowered on the mat. His friends brought him to Jesus. And you need friends and people in your life on a regular basis that are bringing you to Jesus and that you're bringing them to Jesus. And lastly, we come to Jesus as a church, corporately. We're part of a family. And we worship together. We're on mission together. We're under the authority of the church that Jesus Christ has established that he is the head of. And together we're saying, we are a family. We come to Jesus weekly together as a family. And to show the world, this is what it looks like to be one of God's children in a family. And that you can be a part of this family. Experience life to the full in this family. Look, world, what are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. Look what we got going on. Come and be a part of this. Come and see God through us. Come experience life through us. If you take away, though, any one of those three elements, you're left in chaos. You can't become who God's created you to be, and the church won't become who she's created to be. But it first begins. Today it begins by you answering the question, what do you love the most? Is it Jesus? Or are there other things? Jesus says, I love you the most. I love you the most. 
Would you trust me? Would you come? Would you come? Just come and be with me. I want you to be my disciple. But you won't be able to if you don't let me teach you how to love me the most. Let's stand.